0: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host and get ready the leaders in nrl super coach are incoming bringing you the ultimate insight to help you win your leagues and climb up the rankings you're now listening to the insight nrl show with your
1: hosts brain matrix and whisperer
2: yes welcome back we've got another episode of the insight nrl show coming at you but it's a different one this time we're talking to all you beginners out there, all of you new NRL Super Coaches, people that may have never played either NRL Super Coach or Super Coach at all, so this episode is a bit of a different one for us, but it's one that's going to be targeted right at you to help you enter NRL Super Coach with a bang. I'm the SC Brain. I've got the SC Matrix and the SC Whisperer with me, and Josh. We've we've been talking about this episode for a, probably a couple of weeks now, haven't we? And we got around to it, but I'm actually really looking forward to this one.
1: Yeah, going back to our our roots, uh, going back to the simple things. Sometimes we can overcomplicate this game too much and take it a little bit too serious. So just rip it back and get back to back to the basics. You know, running the ball out of your own end hard,
2: uh, no drop balls, repeat sets. Just just the basic stuff. So just the things the Tigers are going to do this year. Uh, the Super Coach Matrix is obviously with us as well, mate. How you how you going uh, tonight, and how you feeling about? Uh, Getting started in 2024, there's obviously uh, plenty
3: to play for this year with the World Cup coming up. Yeah, look, as dev- devastated as I am that the Bullets won't be playing in the post-season, um, you know what? <laughs> I've rolled in. I'm here for the vibes and um, yeah, pretty excited that the Broncos will be. It's pretty safe to say, isn't it really? Uh, Broncos should be there as uh, hard
2: the World Cup. as it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the, uh, <laughs> the yeah, yeah. We- we probably should talk about the uh, the Supercoach World Cup because it is relevant. You know, we've got a lot of people that are starting Supercoach for the first time or, or maybe even entering into a sport that they haven't followed before. So we've got a lot of, uh, we've got cats on camera as well. Actually, this is a first for the Inside NRL show too. So for anybody watching on YouTube, I can see one cat moving in the background near a TV and I've got another one here right in front of the camera. How good's that? So if you're a cat fan, it uh, looks like Josh is, <laughs> then uh, yeah, you're in a good spot. But um, so... Boys, we, we need to talk about this World Cup because, for me, it's, I I love the idea, and Josh, you came up with it, uh, more so to get people involved in other sports they normally wouldn't play. And I think with NBL Supercoach now making its debut this year and having its first successful season, we've now got four sports that we can play with Supercoach, which is now all year round. And I don't know about you, but is SC tragic? Mate, I don't know whether anybody's more of a tragic than you are, Josh, so you're probably best to speak about this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I saw the bloke that won um, MBL and I was having a look at sort of the, the player count. It was like 25K, which is was really good, I thought, for a brand new sport. Um, AFL is huge. I think that's over 250,000 people that play it. NRL can get upwards of, you know, 160, 170. And that's growing every year. And then the BBL has a, a really good engaged community as well. So there's no time like now, I feel, to join all four of those sports together. We all love our individual sports and some of us may love two or three, uh, but there's no time like now to join the Insight Fantasy World Cup. All four Supercoach disciplines combined in a 12-month-long marathon uh, where you'll have some good seasons, you'll have some poor seasons, but it's going to be a collective percentage across all four of those rankings, um, basically divided into one giant score. We'll get that to basically probably this uh, 365 days' time, literally a year from now. So. That will come out and we're going to be paying the top 10. It'll be a $10 entry fee, uh, DM myself or Matrix or Brain or the Inside Fantasy Sport uh, account. You can see our handles all on screen. But for anyone that's listening, I'm at SE Whisper. You've got SC underscore Matrix and SE underscore Brain. Otherwise, Insight FS or Insight F Sports uh, on all your social platforms. You'll be able to find us. We'll put you in the in the direction, but um, yeah, there's no time like now to get involved in all four sports, and I've never played NBL. I don't think I've watched a game outside of uh, when I watched Lamello torch up uh, for Illawarra, but I'm really keen this year, and obviously as a, as a tragic AFL fan, it's going to be nice to take that discipline a little bit more seriously, and, and BBL, uh, less said about that, the better the last season, but we'll be bouncing back this year.
2: Uh, we won't talk about Majib. It's Okay. Um, but, Matrix, you finished, I think, was it 420th or something like that in yep. NBL this year for its first year? So, really impressive
3: finish for you. Yeah, had a, had a pretty good year. Went close to um, the team of the week a couple of times. I just had some weeks where it really stacked up. I was probably one person that rid the highs and, and rode the lows. Like, I'd be 10,000 one week and then I'd be 12 the next week and then I'd be 5,000 and then um, sort of got more consistent during the end of the year. Um, But, yeah, played it a little bit differently. Um, Obviously, it was everybody's first year playing Supercoach coming across from uh, Fantasy, which a lot of the start of the year was highlighting the differences uh, between NBL Fantasy and NBL Supercoach. And I suppose a little bit today we'll touch on at least a little bit, some of the guys wanting to come across from NRL fantasy as well and some of the small differences um, between because they're all the same players. Um, It's the same concept, but the scoring and stuff happens a little bit differently as well. So, um, yeah, hopefully the Supercoach World Cup brings some people across from fantasy, not only from NBL Supercoach and AFL Supercoach. Yeah, it brings people from all angles.
2: I think what we find more often than not is, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you see a lot of people play NRL but not AFL or AFL but not NRL. So hopefully we can actually start to see a little bit of cross-code here, uh, a little bit of you know uh, healthy competition as well amongst those codes. There's always a bit of fiery competition between AFL and NRL, so it'll be good to kind of bring that together this year as well. I know the Insight boys for AFL are doing a great job over there on the AFL show. Um, there'll be a bit of competition, I think, this year to, to see is who, Jake's, who is... Does Jason Ackermanus still play? Yeah, no, I asked the same question about Tony Lockett for like the last four years straight. And he apparently- <laughs> i Adam, Adam
1: Goods locked into my squad, boys. I don't know about you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> See, this is how much we know about AFL. I mean, we follow it, but yeah, just obviously not that closely. But, um, you know, the, the good thing is you can lean on all the content creators out there that do a cracking job with Supercoach in general. So uh, plenty out there. Hit us up if you want a bit of direction. But all, obviously the great thing is we run all four sports as podcasts as well. So we've got experts in all four sports um so we can guide you in the right direction with that but we're here to talk nrl so uh for anybody who's starting with nrl this year and maybe has come across from afl wants to play the world cup maybe they did their nbl as their first super coach season maybe they played bbl and really enjoyed it let's talk scoring first um just before we then go into team structure i think it's important to know where the scoring is is relevant um josh so i mean if we go through The scoring here very quickly, I'll then ask, I'll I'll probably throw to you, Josh, more so to kind of elaborate on where the important scoring is. We've got tries at 17 points. We've got try assists at 12. Try contributions at four. So we'll probably talk about the difference between assists and contributions, which is relevant. Uh, Goal kicking is four for a conversion. A missed goal is minus two. We've got field goals at five. We've got missed field goals at minus one. A tackle is one per point, or one per tackle, one point. Uh, A missed tackle is minus one. Then you've got a tackle break, which is actually a really relevant stat for a couple of positions. That's two. Forced dropout or forced scrum for the halfbacks and the the playmakers is six points. Effective offloads is four. Ineffective is two. So we'll talk about the difference between those two as well. Uh, We've got line breaks at 10. Line break assists at eight. 40-20 is 10. Kick and regather break is an interesting one that really we don't see too much of. But um, that's eight points. A hit up over eight metres is two. A hit up under eight metres is one. Hold the attacking player up in goal is a new stat we haven't seen too much of in the last couple of years, but that's three points. Intercepts is five, uh, which is uh, one that usually doesn't get scored that well. Kicks that go dead, minus three. Penalty, minus two. Error, minus two. And a sin bin is minus eight. A send-off is minus 16. So a lot to digest there. Um, We will do our best to put a graphic up so that everyone understands this one. But Josh, I'll throw over to you first. Maybe let, let's talk, obviously, the try and the try assist are obvious, but try contribution and try assist can be a little bit blurry. How do how do we differentiate those?
1: Yeah, it's always contentious, especially five minutes after an event happens, you see Twitter blowing up. Um, but we're getting a little bit more clarification of what the difference is. So uh, a try assist is going to go to, to the man that creates the overlap or the be outnumbering, the two-on-one or the three-on-two. Uh, it's generally the the halfback that will take it on a sweep and get on the outside of the man, uh, and a contribution is generally to the player that tips it on. So the most common example you'll see sometimes is a phase one play where a fullback will be sweeping through a block play. A fullback catches the ball on the outside of a C defender's shoulder um, and passes it to a center who then taps onto a winger. So the fullback's generally going to get the try assist there because they're the one creating the overlap on that C play. Uh, and then the contribution is going to go to the center because they didn't have to do a whole lot. But without them, the try still wouldn't have happened. So um, there's no there's no line break assist for the contributor. That will also go to the try assister. So generally that will uh, incur uh, points of 12, 12 points for your try assist and then your line break assist, which is eight points. So generally it's a 20-point play. Uh, and that's why we sometimes talk about stacks being as, as vital as they are. Uh, Alex Johnson, Latrell Mitchell, yes. are the ones that come to mind. Pongamazu, there are other ones that come to mind as well. So uh can be a little bit black and white, but most of the time, I'd say 95% of the time, it's pretty clear who's getting the try assist. It's just sometimes when that overlap is a little bit gray or the center has to do more than just a bat on. Uh I remember last year there was one with Herbie Farnworth where he sort of ran 10 meters and the assist still wasn't given to him, but 95% of the time it's it's pretty fair.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Good explanation there, and obviously, look these these aren't going to be black and white every week. So we're going to see some question marks, and a lot of people on Twitter asking questions around how that all works. And it's not hundred percent consistent, but they do a pretty good job differentiating the two. Now, uh, Matty, I'll ask you about the difference between an ineffective offload and an effective offload, because obviously, there's two points difference per start. There, what can you explain to the guys what the difference is between effective and ineffective?
3: Look. My understanding is effective is, you know, a nice little offload, which is during a tackle, uh, passing it out the back and it hitting its mark, essentially. Um, Not hitting the ground, um, not going anywhere from that, Um, just going to somebody and then being able to run forward from there. Ineffective can sort of get fumbled on, the not obviously by the player receiving it, but can sort of get thrown onto the ground, can get picked up. And um and then played on from there. Sometimes they just throw it out the back. They hook it. It gets dove on and they actually lose meters. Um, that's an ineffective one. So yeah, yeah. For me, I think the the kind of when you look at it, or the way I look at it anyway,
2: is it, do they gain meters from the offload or do they lose them? Um, is yep. probably the best way and the simplest way to explain that. Um, you know, if the if the offload goes out the back and they have to dive on it, like Maddie said, and you lose meters, it's definitely ineffective. But if it's a good offload in the middle of a tackle and they gain meters or gain possession in that play then you can probably look at it as effective um the the one thing to note with nrl supercoach scoring essentially is that we do have a long time between updates and the reason for that is because they're looking through a lot of these offloads that are all deemed as ineffective josh to start and then they go and get upgraded to effective once the updates have come in for each game
1: yep so a lot a lot of your updates a lot of them are going to be ineffective versus effective um, tackle breaks, and hit-ups, whether they're 8 metres or not. So they're going to be a lot of your um, updates. So you're going to see players go from 50 to 60. Um, you'll see players go from they, – they, they are generally conservative. You, you generally find rare down, downgrades uh, because they are on the more conservative side. Uh, you will notice big downgrades if there is a controversial try-assist that's sort of overturned, but they are becoming far and far fewer. I remember two or three years ago you could go from a player being on 80 and they'd be down to 60. That's a rare occasion these days. It's usually the other way around or, or try assists are generally pretty much in, in concrete. But yes, offloads and, and hit-ups are the the main ones that they look at for, through updates. And that's generally about 24 hours after the fact. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it's, not like, it's um, not like AFL. I know AFL, the last game may finish at like 8 o'clock at night and scores are done by 9.30 because mm. AFL Supercoach is very mathematical in terms of it's pretty black and white in terms it of how the scales, score Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in Supercoach, it's a little bit more subjective. So it will take a little bit more time for updates and lockout generally will happen at about 11 o'clock the next day after the last game.
2: Yeah. I'm sitting there on my phone and I'm like, just refresh. Just I want to make scared. trades. I want to make trades. Let me trade my team um so yeah good times good times um the rest of it seems to be pretty stock standard hit ups over eight and under eight that's pretty self-explanatory obviously for your forwards who are going to get the majority of those minutes especially also, rowers.
1: I just want just to reiterate uh it's two points for over eight meters but you don't also get the one point for a regular hit up it's just a yeah, simple two or one it's not three for getting over eight meters so i know that there's a little bit of contention around that as well
2: yeah yeah that is a good point um let's Let's move on to the next kind of topic, I guess, or or the next question, because we've got a lot of questions here from a lot of beginners, and this is kind of where this episode sparked from. Uh, A lot of people hitting us up going, hey, we'd love you to explain the more of the basics of NRL Supercoach so that us newbies that are coming over from AFL or, or another sport understand how it all works. Um now, we can probably touch on team building before we talk about trades. I think that's probably more relevant. And when it comes to building a team, we're talking about, I guess, more of the important positions uh, than anything. So, Maddie, what, what would you consider to be the positions that you would spend up on or are more important for people starting out this year?
3: Um, definitely halfbacks and fullbacks for me. Um, they're that high upside position. Um, much like in a football game, I don't think very often a front row forward can win and lose you a game, um, but a fullback and a halfback can. Um, it's kind of similar in Supercoach. Um, that's where I spend a lot of my salary cap um, due to just chasing those points and getting runs on the board, essentially. Yeah. And we talk about ceiling, don't we, and floor, I guess, in
2: Supercoach a lot, in in all formats, really. It's not just NRL, but every format. Now, the ceiling, I guess, is the halfback and the fullback position, but there's a couple of others, Josh, that are, are probably relevant to look at as well in, in those positions that we can really get those 120 to 140 scores.
1: Yeah, and that's evident with the game with the way the game's shifting. So uh, I started playing Supercoach in 2014, um, and basically through 2014 up until probably 2020, uh, it was very much a case of like dirt cheap at center wing. Um, I would always start dirt cheap at center wing because it's a volatile position. The good players can go good. The crap players can go good. The good players can go bad. The crap players can go bad. Like it's, you know, that's how it was. Games would be a little bit more closer and low scoring. But as attacking footy has developed and we're we're leaning more towards that attacking upside that players have and teams in general, the way that just sports in general are going, they're becoming much more entertaining. So you want to have more free-flowing sports center wings are a position that are getting much more important. So this year I've got, as it stands, you know, three, one premium, two semi-premiums, which is never something that would run in, in years gone by. And that is due down to the fact that a player can score two or three tries. We're seeing guys like Alex Johnston, you know, score 25 tries in a season, which is pretty much one a game. And a lot of his are with line breaks. So that's 27 points straight away. And if they're averaging say 60 points through the season, you're getting half of their return in one play. Uh, and if they're playing a bad team, that can be three or four. So, you know, we, we saw Ruben Garrick in the COVID year score over 200 points as a winger, which is just ridiculous. Like that, it just wouldn't happen in years gone by. So getting these guys, and that's why, you know, goal-kicking wingers are such are so crucial. Asako, Garrick, they're the ones that come to mind because they're getting those huge returns for their scoring, uh, for, the, for their tries, but they're also being involved in the goal-kicking as well. So it just uh, racks up pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, that's right. And, and you spoke about halfback. Um, I think it's it's fair to say in NRL Supercoach anyway, there's two very clear-cut options. So we're, we're looking at Nico Hines and Nathan Cleary for the reason you just mentioned, because... When we look back at the scoring, you've got the try assist, you've got the line break assist, and more often than not, you're probably going to get both of those in the same play if you're, if you're setting up a try, aren't you? Like you've you got the try assist and the line break assist. So maybe it, it might be more uh, probably a good talking point to talk about what can constitutes a line break assist as well for those of the new to NRL supercoach, Maddie. Do you want to explain what
3: would uh, constitute a line break assist? Um, essentially passing it to the guy that goes through the line of defense. Um yeah, so quite often that is the playmakers. It's the guys that you see with the with the ball, which is quite often your halfbacks. Um it's your it's your Nico Hines. And Nico Hines is somebody that can roam to both sides of the field, um, so he's not as constrained. Um, of course, Cleary, um, being the the captain of his team, being one of the best players in the world, sort of has free reign to go out there, get the ball and make a play. Uh, when he's making a play, he's often putting people through gaps. Um, and that's why they're the most expensive players in Subcoach. Yeah. Yeah. So for any of you AFL fans out there, your mids are going to score a little bit better than your
2: defenders for the for the most part. And that, that's kind of what we're looking at. And Heinz uh, Cleary, Fogarty, um, you know, there's a lot of halves out there that often kick goals too, Josh, isn't there? So it's kind hey, of, Ray. you get that double whammy.
1: Yeah, um, it's also worth considering as well, looking at the at the teams, very few teams will have a dominant supercoach halfback and dominant supercoach fullback. Um, you'll generally find a lot of the best halfbacks, so a Hines and a Cleary, don't have a dominating fullback. Uh, and you'd look at the dominating fullbacks like a Ponga or a Walsh. They don't have an overly demanding halfback. So the A-ray. same thing, in, yeah, I mean, but A-Ray is not like a, a, a Cleary that's going to do a lot of solo hmm. playmaking. A-Ray is much more of a connecting piece. But AFL is a great analogy. Uh, you want your halves, you want your mids to get a lot of disposals. Petrakas, Bontepelli's, like these kind of guys with their hands all over the pill. Same thing in Supercoach. You want, or well, same thing in NRL, sorry. You want your premium assets to be touching the ball a lot to justify that price tag. But no correlation that three of the top four players last year in terms of total points were, were goal kickers, Hines, Cleary, Ponga, Drinkwater was the exception and Turbo is just a, a freak in terms of what he does. So, uh, it's um, yeah, goal-kicking is obviously a huge bonus, and that's why we were talking about someone like an Appy Korosau so heavily on on the previous podcast, a player that can turn through workload but also has another 10 to 15 points in them just through goal-kicking alone. He's Sorry, also, pro-
3: mate, he's up, also right. priced as someone that isn't goal-kicking and has suddenly started, you know, goal-kicking this year, um, yeah. which we've seen growth.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. So, how is how are this how is the 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 prices worked out? So, uh, for ninety percent of players, the pricing is done based off last season's performance. Uh, in NRL fantasy, it's a little bit subjective. There's more human involvement in the pricing, but in SuperCoach, it's just very mathematical. Um, it is. Last year's score divided by the magic number, or last year's average divided by the magic number. Um, There is the rare exception when injury does come into it. So if a player plays less than the qualifying games, which I think is three, then they will get a 20% deduction. But the magic number uh, this preseason is 10,209. So we look at someone like a Nico Hines. He is priced at 970,000. And without me even having to look at what his um, score was last year, we just can basically go 970,000 divided by 10,209 and that gets us 95. Now I haven't looked at his average, I don't have it in front of me, but I would imagine his average is something like 94.7, 94.8 or 95 bang on. So
2: it's 95 on the dot.
1: Yeah. So that is, so that's the magic number. When you hear us talk about value, um, finding plays at value, that's what we're doing. We are Looking at role changes, we are looking at if they had a down season last year due to injury. Sean Lane's a great example. Uh, He is priced at something like a 44, but we are projecting him to go somewhere between 58 and 62. And we look at 10 points of value being sort of the gold standard in terms of money-making ability because you don't want to be picking a player that presents two points of value because then you'll have eventually have to trade them out if they're not a keeper and you're just wasting trades at that
2: point. Yep. Yeah. Very good point. Um, so, you know, we've talked about it a lot in previous podcasts. If you go back and have a look at some of those, especially the positional ones, that's probably where the majority of our conversations start is who has the most value in their position or who has a change in role. Uh, we're looking at halfbacks that are now goal-kicking, even hookers, like Josh mentioned, out that are now goal-kicking that weren't last year. So there, there's a lot of changes in player roles that I think are very relevant. So keep an eye out on those. We'll obviously fill you in on those as we go as well. Jump in the Discord if uh, you want to know a little bit more, because we're going to be updating our teams and doing a lot of stuff there. And you can become an Insight Unlimited member for 25 bucks for the next 365 days. So... Pretty cheap, and uh, you'll get access to all of us and all our thoughts
3: every single week. So
2: can I think – sorry, Matty, go.
3: Can I just throw one thing out? I really liked um, the way that Whisperer compared it to AFL Supercoach. For those guys coming across from NRL Fantasy, um, kick meters don't matter in Supercoach. And I know that we rattled off, and that's quite overwhelming for us quickly to rattle down everything. But kick meters don't matter in Supercoach. So, yeah, yeah. it does make some of those ball runners a little bit more, I suppose, viable in Super Coach, where they don't become even a play in fantasy. So, and I, yeah, guess I, think, I think
1: Jamal Foggy Jamal is probably the perfect example yep. with that. Um, Jamal Foggy is a guy that I've looked at in my fantasy team all preseason playing with, the, with a rookie fullback, um, a, a hooker that doesn't kick, and and a rookie 5'8". So he'll be getting all the kick meters, 800, 900 to 1,000 meters a game and that's a scoring system over there, but in Supercoach, it's not. So you're not worried about too much about having these dominant halfbacks like a Ben Hunt, like and uh, Adam Reynolds. You're more wanting the attacking upside players, and that's the biggest difference, I guess, for our fantasy players, that Supercoach is much more volatile, and that's why for you guys out there, none of you would ever look at Alex Johnston, um, but he is always someone to consider at one point or another in the season because of how much upside he presents for the attacking stats. Payton Haas' boys in fantasy averages something like something like 62, 63, and he's considered one of the goal standards. Alex Johnson can get half of that in supercoach points in one play by, by falling over the line. So, yeah, it's a little bit more volatile, hence why you chase the uptight a little bit more.
2: Yeah, more attacking stat based in supercoach, more bas- base stat based in NRL in fantasy is probably an easy way to, to kind of explain that. And, and the perfect example, I guess, would be Nico Hines and his ownership and, and his, uh, I guess, people are looking at him in, in fantasy versus super coach. You know, we look at him in super coach and we've said that he is a must have to start the season based on the shark's draw and based on just his ability to rack up super coach points at will. Now you look at him in fantasy and now that Braden Trindle is taking a lot more of the kicking, there's now a conversation to be had of, do you go with Clary and Hines? Like it seems like a no brainer in super coach, but it absolutely is not in fantasy. So the way that the scoring is structured is uh, definitely very, uh, very different with both sports. And, let me tell you, I, I'm not a fantasy player. I mean, I've, I haven't played fantasy since maybe, well, properly or competitively since like 2016 or 17. I've been a super coach player since then through and through. But um, there, there is a very different skill involved in, in being good at fantasy and being a good at super coach. You can't just go and pick your super coach team and throw it in fantasy and hope for the best because you're going to end up 40, 50,000th, um, which I found out very rudely the last couple I of wish, years.
1: I wish I kept, so what was it, two seasons ago – uh, 140th in Supercoach and, and 200th in Fantasy. I wish I kept the two of those and we could have literally looked at the contrast of them because, yeah, Isaiah Yo, Paddy Carrigan, like these kind of guys in Fantasy are so good because of run meters, tackles, and just the base stats, whereas Supercoach, yeah, you're going with the, the big upside center wings. Um, okay. So, yeah, scoring is is a different thing. I mean, there's Wikipedia articles out there. Supercoach is notorious for putting stuff behind paywalls, but there is a lot of free content out there. Um, yeah. NRL SC stats com is probably the, the gold standard for websites that
2: how I use every day. And so do you boys probably. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Some quality content creators out there for sure. Now uh, we get in NRL Supercoach, we'll move on to trades now. We've, we've talked a little bit about the high upside positions and the positions you should be focusing on um, we'll probably come back to the more plotted positions. You can fade a little bit later on, but, um, trades are relevant to talk about. Now you get 46 trades and five trade boosts metrics. So do you want to explain maybe the approach for you in, in terms of how you use your boosts every year and, and kind of how you play out your trades based on a full season?
3: Yeah. So state of origin is a big thing in the rugby league community. Uh, we all love it. Um, but it happens through the middle of the season to ruin our super coach year. Um, So you have, you know, the best players in Supercoach and they all get shipped off to go play representative footy. Um, There's lots of buys through that period. There's lots of the top players on each team not playing. Um, My understanding with Supercoach is that's why they've given us the boosts. Early on in the year, you might use one to fix your mistakes. Um, and then through the middle periods, through these buy periods, through these state of origin periods, um, there might be four, five teams not playing that week. Uh, you might just need to use these boots to field a team um, because your best players are playing origin. There's five teams on buys. Um, it can be a, quite a stressful time for a serious super coacher. Um, but yeah, so you look through these buy periods. So you might use three over the buy periods. Uh, you might use one to fix your stuff-ups at the start of the year um, and really take advantage of the – we're going to talk a bit more about when players go up in value and down in value, I presume. But um, to chase some money at the start and then maybe win your leagues at the at the end of the year would be the perfect scenario. We all know that we burn through them before that, but um, they give you five boosts. Yeah, yeah us all, um, they give you five boosts. So I would say one to fix your fuck-ups, um, three through the buy period, and then one to hopefully win your leagues at, towards the end of the year. Yeah, that's a good little structure. I mean, wh- when you think about it, you've got
2: 46 trades, Josh, over 27 rounds. So you can't just go willy-nilly max trading throughout the season because you would run out in, if my maths is correct, what do you got, 46, that's 23, then you take five boosts. Yep. So, yeah. 100%. So do you want to kind of dive into that a little bit in terms of how you how you structure it or play it?
1: Yeah, so I was on my phone then trying to find... I put a tweet up uh, a little while ago on what I think is the best time to, to boost. And I think from memory it was round 3, round 6, round 12, round 18, round 27... Um, And the reason why 6, 12 and uh, 18, I'm pretty sure what I said was um, the most important and I'll I'll have to prep for this, but if you find the tweet, amazing. um, It's when we get dual position changes as well. So that will be coming throughout the season as well, which we'll we'll touch on. Um, But for boosts, in theory... Uh, Theory is always a great thing that never really happens um, Round 27, the last round of the season Coaches are notorious for benching a lot Of their players, so you're going to be left with Minimal. Uh, by that stage of the season We're getting into some advanced strategy at the moment But by that stage of the season You should only be having maybe 20 players in your team That are playing. You're going to be nothing out of a lot of The other ones um, Obviously going early, like Matrix said Round 3 is when we incur the first lot of price changes So Supercoach NRL works in uh, A rolling average of 3 weeks so if a player scores 100 in week one, 50 in week two, 50 in week three, their rolling average will be 100, 50, 50. But then in round four, if they score another 50, that 100 drops out. So your round one score is the most inconsequential score of the season because it's the first one to drop out of your rolling average. Um, I'm just trying to think of what other information I can give on boosts that Matrix didn't give. But um, yeah, in the in years gone by for Supercoach before the boosts, they would give us five trades, Uh, for rounds 13 and round 16 or rounds 14, round 17, whenever Origin fell for that year. But this year, they've opened it up. They've given us to it at our free will. Um, Some people can burn them after five weeks. Some people could use them all at the back end of the season. It's really about how you want to structure your teams and what matrix said about Origin. For anyone that's not an NRL fan, State of Origin is when the Australian players only from New South South Wales and Queensland, their Origin will play each other, um, which is going to rule them out for rounds 13 round 16, rounds 19. Um, and a lot of them will also be in camp the week before as well. So yeah, we've got the, uh, the buy structure up here. We also have 17 teams in the NRL and that is a new addition as of last year. So every team now has a buy during the week. So that is something to consider. So we look at rounds 13, for example, we have the tigers, the Titans, the storm, the rabbitos, the Broncos, mainly the warriors. If you have all those players, they're going to be out. And then if you have some origin players, so, if you have someone like a Latrell Mitchell, for example, he's going to be out for rounds thirteen, regardless, because they're on the bye. But he's also played Origin, and for anyone that doesn't follow NRL, Origin is probably one of the most physical games that you can play. It takes a huge toll out of your body. There's a very real likelihood that he doesn't play again in rounds fourteen. He might not back up because Origin's only three, you know, three or four days before your club's next game in the in the round after. So. Definitely worth considering there. Um, let's look at someone like the Knights that you can see on the screen here. The Knights, Kalen Ponga has a really nice matchup there against the Bulldogs in rounds in round thirteen. A uh, fixture you'd probably look at captaining him. Unfortunately, he's out. Uh, I know that the Knights play that week, but he doesn't because he'll be in Origin. Fingers crossed. Uh,
0: really?
1: And there's no guarantee. Uh, maybe, maybe. There's no guarantee that he plays against Melbourne there either in in rounds fourteen. So we will touch on this probably. Boys, maybe round nine we'll start getting into bye planning. Um, but for Supercoach, let's let's roll into team structure. Because in can, Super we Coach, just,
3: can we just say that you think Pong is gonna play fullback? Maybe. He's, I, I be, he's
1: not gonna I, be playing origin. I, I, I just I just found the first team that I'm played the 13 that didn't have a rep player. Um so <laughs> in Super Coach, You have now you're fine. You have a team of twenty five that you need to pick your team for. You have thirteen starters and fourteen reserves. That makes no difference. If a player is a reserve or a starter, they earn the same points. I know in NBL, uh, you get half. Sorry, the four, the four
3: reserves. Four, four reserves.
1: You okay. just said fourteen. Yep. 14, <laughs> <laughs> 14 <laughs> <laughs> yep. fourteen reserves. Far out. We'd be stretching the. <laughs> yep. um, so That's yeah, so a bit. It's big thirteen point. and four. Uh, and I know in NBL, you your, if you have hmm. a player that scores fifty points on the bench, they get twenty-five in Supercoach, It's it's fifty. Uh, I know in in BBL. If they score 100 and they're in your emergency, tough titties. Um, You miss out. Whereas in NRL, your reserves are part of your scoring team. The only difference in that is your captain, who will get double points. Vice captains get nothing. We can go into a whole story about VC looping. That probably is a little bit too complicated for for new players.
2: Can we work back just for the AFL players that are playing NRL this year with the difference between reserves and emergencies? So... With emergencies, obviously, they're position-based. You're given four four emergencies for your defenders, your mids, your rucks, and your forwards. Now, in NRL, it's different. You could put your reserve on three center wings and a hooker, and those four scores will count no matter what. You're playing your best 17 players, and three of, four of those will be reserves, whereas in AFL, I think you're playing your best 22 on the field, and then you've got an emergency in every single position on your bench. So uh, if a player doesn't play in a certain position, then your emergency from that position will get the points. So that there's a there's a very vast difference between the way that emergencies and, and reserves are used in NRL to, preferred to AFL that, as well.
1: That goes down to when you're picking your teams for each round, always start your guys that play earlier. So if you have uh, uh, the Broncos are notorious for playing on a Thursday or a Friday, like you will very rarely... Unless you have like Reese Walsh, who's playing on a Thursday and you have Turbo playing on a, uh, sorry, if you have Reese Walsh on a Friday and you've got Turbo on a Thursday, but you really want to vice captain him, there's very rare occasions that you'll be starting your guys off the bench because they lock out. Uh, And it's very hard to explain without visualizing. But basically look at the draw, start your guys that play earlier, reserve your ones that play later. Um, And for whatever reason, if you have to go a man down, it's not like BBL or AFL where you get to have an emergency. You get what's called an auto emergency and you don't get to pick that. And that is your lowest scoring player that has not been selected. That can be five points. That can be 50. It's the luck of the draw. It's why picking viable players on the bench is
2: a thing. And having a strong 25 rather than... And also nothing, which maybe might kind of factor into the conversation when we're talking about looping as well. Because both of those things become quite relevant. For anybody who plays AFL Supercoach, looping is actually much easier in AFL than it is NRL due to the emergency system versus reserves and versus the auto emergency that Josh just talked about. So do we want to kind of dive into how to loop um, and and how that all works? Because I think it's a relevant strategy this year or in any year, really, if you're good at looping or if you have a loop option every week, which has been made easier for us in previous years, last year specifically, because there's now been a buy every week introduced. Let's let's have a conversation about that because this could be something that wins or loses your super coach.
1: Sure. Um, okay, so let's use my team, for example. Um, I am running at Api Korosau and Alex Safarth. Now, they both play for the Tigers. The Tigers don't play in round one. So those boys are ruled out. Let's look at, say, the first game of the season. So South versus Manly. And I might really like Tom Trevojevic. But I don't want to captain him because it's 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 a big commitment to captain someone playing in the first game of the round. So I might vice-captain Tom Trevojevic. He scores me 130 points. Amazing. All right, how do we get that times two? And we have Nathan Cleary captains against Melbourne on a Saturday night, like a week later. So what we do is we would take one of our non-playing players, Matrix, so, you know, our safe-ass or our Coruscans of the world, we'd swap them in. Um, So for me, you know, Turbo scores, 130, game one of the season, I would swap Brendan Hands out for Appy Coruscans. He would come in. I would then captain Appy Coruscans the game goes, oh, man, that sucks. Your captain didn't play. All right, well, we'll give you your vice captain times two. You would get that. And then that's where your, your auto-emergency comes in because you need to make up for your score. You've lost Appy Coruscant. You need to to get him back in, and that's where your auto-emergency comes in. So that would be your lowest-scoring non-reserve player. I know it's, like I said, it's hard to keep up when you're not looking at a team, so I would recommend potentially pulling out your team and the draw uh, when you're doing this.
2: Patrick, so I was taking a piss, so you can uh, you can take this one uh, and follow on from what Josh said. Anything to add on on looping or auto emergencies or the way it's structured?
3: Not really. Covered it pretty well. Um, we've mentioned enough a few times without mentioning what enough is, and enough is just a bottom dollar player that's not playing. Um, I use them quite a lot towards the end of the year. Try not to use it at the start of the year, but due to the fact that I'm always looking for the opportunity to loop, um, basically getting two bites at the cherry when it comes to captain, um, maybe, you know, vice captaining a, um,
0: hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
3: A guy with a really low floor but a really high ceiling just trying to to have a really big punt at, at a win. I would actually rather have somebody that scored me zero than scored me five which I know is really hard to get your head around because you think hey you want your guys on your bench at least to be NRL football players but I would actually rather somebody score me zero on my bench and then the next man up maybe somebody that I've actually invested some money in thinking that they're gonna score points this year um becomes my auto emergency um so yeah quite often it's really good to have your low-end guys not play which is confusing
2: yeah that's right for sure and look it's the auto emergency plague isn't it you you get a guy that just gets your 12s off the bench and it it ruins your vc loop every time because you've got to cop their score to be able to take a vc double so you'd rather those zeros
1: there is calculators out there like you could your your vice captain may score 130 but that might not be a a, a plus EV loop for you. Like there might be a situation where you'd, you'd rather take a 90 from your captain because you don't want to take the 12 because you're dropping someone that may score you, you know, 50. And I guess that's why cheapies, it's a hard balance. So for AFL guys, they're very blessed because there's two drafts a year. You get the, the in-season draft and obviously your regular draft. So an influx of cheapies come through um, and it's all about picking the right ones. Sometimes in Supercoach, we don't get to pick the right ones. We just have to pick them. We we, we just get to pick the ones that come to us. That Sometimes we don't get to a huge influx of them. So yeah, it's about that balance. And that's why center wing cheapies are really volatile because they're unproven, uh, especially if they're on a crap side, like you have
2: to pick them because I mean, what else are you going to do? But making the loop is, is hard. So I guess maybe a question and I haven't really structured this at all, but a question to you, Josh, off the back of that would be, how do you know which center wing to pick? Are you looking at the team that they're playing for more so than the role? Or is it, is it a little bit of luck involved? How do, you, how do you look at that when you're looking at two guys at a basement price, center wing, they're unproven? How do you how do you make your judgment?
1: Yeah, so obviously AFL, there's very detailed stats of the SAFL, the VFL, the WAFL. Um, like all of these development leagues have a lot of good stats. Sometimes NRL doesn't. Uh, NRL is getting better at, at giving us stats from Q Cup, New South Wales Cup, um, all that. It's hard to translate that into super coach scores, but you can get an idea of a player's work rate just through run meters, hit-ups and stuff like that. So for me, with my basement price center wings, I just prefer a little bit of consistency. Um, someone like Lofty Camperera last year was, was, a, was a hard watch because he would go three weeks scoring 30 points combined and then would go through runs where he'd score 300 points in three weeks. But trying to pick basement price guys that have a little bit of work rate, have a little bit of floor, I'm not expecting the world from these guys. If we can get 30 points, you know, in base, that that's going to be great. Whereas if you're looking at someone like a Greg Marzu, you know, if he's getting less than 50 in base, that's, you know, an off game for him. Floor is a big one for me. And we've said this many times, this podcast, the three of us are never going to win the weekly score. Like we're not going to win the, the, the tire score because we don't pick players that can go ultra low, but ultra high. We are much more consistent, slow, slow grinds up the, up the leaderboard. Um, but yeah, luck luck is a big thing with these cheapy center wings because they can go ballistic and you'll see people on social media kick themselves going, oh, I should have played this guy, I should have played that guy. Because sometimes it can just be so much so so much luck involved, which is why at the start of the podcast, I said center wing is evolving into much more of a position where you spend up a little bit more to get some more consistency.
2: And the reason it's evolving, I guess, is because of the base stats, right? And we've, we've mentioned base a lot in this podcast. We haven't ex- exactly explained what base is, Matrix, so... Would you kind of like to give everybody a bit of an explanation on what we consider to be base stats versus then you're looking at create, evade stats as well?
3: Yeah, look, some of like those stats, like the, the tries and the try assist and the try contributions often come from, you know, really good plays. Base stats are just the stats that you're going to be getting by, you know, hitting the ball up. Um, not involving a line break, Um, just making your tackles, just uh, – Josh used a really good word – work rate. Just doing what you should do in the general scheme of the game. Like obviously a game is won by scoring tries. A game is won by kicking goals. I don't actually think goals are a base stat. I'm not 100% sure on that it's one. it's a
2: scoring stat for me.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, like it's just done from – the things that win you the games. But, like, you can get uh, Cameron McInnes is probably the prime example. He gets all his stats from base. He hasn't got a line break since 1952. Um, He just goes out there and makes a lot of tackles, uh, just runs the ball hard and just gets – accumulates points – In the scheme of the, I suppose, the arm wrestle that is the game, he's not going to score you tries, Um, he's not going to get you too many line breaks or anything like that. Um, Those are the safest players, but quite often the extra stats, the attacking stats, the create, evade stats are the ones that actually win you the week.
2: And. So aside from the fact that Cam McInnes hasn't had a line break in his seventy two year career in the NRL, yeah, Josh, true. how how do you kind of do you, is there any extra to add there to that conversation on base versus attack create evade? I tweet a lot of rubbish. Uh yeah.
1: a lot. A lot. I also tweet some good things sometimes. Uh I did a thread on I tell it how SC analysis break down players. So this might be a little bit rambly, but I'll just read it to you for most of my experienced followers already know this, but an absolute amazing tool is the NRL Supercoach stat site. We've already mentioned that. Um, they give you graphs and pie charts about how p- scoring is done per player. So I looked at Britain Nikara as, ba- as our example. The first stat that you'll think of is coefficient of variance, which is effectively the percentage of how much they vary from their position. 60% is considered bad, 20% is considered good. Not bad, but just inconsistent. So if a player averages 50 points for the season, but they go 0, 100, 100, 0, 0, 0, 100, 100, 100. Their coefficient of variance would be 100% because they are varying their average the maximum it can both ways. And that is very stressful. I know that at the end of the day, they still average 50. It's very stressful on a Monday morning if your player has scored 12 points and you have to sit there and trust the process. Um, base stats, as what Matrix said, uh, base stats are just your bread and butter, your tackles, your, your runs. Your evade stats are sometimes referred to as power. So you'll hear some people talk about base power a little bit. That's becoming more common in the modern supercoach game. That is more inconsistent portions of players' scores and a little bit more higher variance. That's made up of tackle busts, offloads, that sort of jazz. Scoring stats. That is what it says on the tin the portion of a player's score is made up of tries. Uh, back rowers and wingers have a higher percentage of their scores made up of scoring because they're more strike players. Um, goal kickers also have a high percentage of this score due to their goal kicking. So, for example, last year, Brit Nikera averaged five points a game in scoring. Painhaast averaged one. Create. Any attacking sequence that results in the ball traveling down the field or creating a try Line breaks, line break assists, try contributions, etc. To give you an example, Britton Nicora had a creative stat of five last year, and Adam Reynolds had an average of twenty-eight. Now both of those guys averaged roughly the same. I think Nicora was like five points better than than um Reynolds and Haas was better than Nicora last year when we talked about his five versus one. Uh negative. These are the the Reed money stats, I like to call them boys. Um <laughs> the the these are the coach killers, the ones that make you raise trade. These players are the ones that lose points. Um, so forward passes, missed tackles, penalty conceded, sin bin, send-offs, general errors, missed goal kicks, all that sort of stuff that makes you lose points. So that is basically how scores are broken up. If we look at someone like Britton Nicaragua versus James Tedesco, they both average the same, but Nicaragua's base was 47. Tedesco's base was 28. Tedesco, being a fullback, has more evade, has more scoring, has more create. Nikos was made up mostly of base. So, not all averages are the same. And that's a lot of information to take in for someone that's never looked at this stuff. But the NRL Supercoach stats website
2: is going to be your best friend. Yeah, well said. That's a a good little summary there of how we kind of break down stats and what we look at too. Because for the most part, when we're making trades, we get two a week. But I tell you what, I do about 22 a week in my head. And uh, you're looking at all of these things. You're looking at, The matchup next week. You're looking at the schedule for that team over the next month. You're looking at uh, the base stats versus create and evade versus maybe the lineup changes in that team versus the role. So there's a lot of considerations we're making when we're looking at trades and looking at teams. Um, We've talked so much about already scoring. We've talked about how we structure our trades and our boosts. We've looked at reserves. We've looked at looping. We've looked at how we approach origin period in the middle of the year. We've also talked about the buyers every single week and how you can use those to then loop um, so we've covered a lot of stuff. The one thing we haven't talked about is break evens and cash generation and Matrix, you mentioned at the start, the reason why you wouldn't have enough in your team early on was because that enough, yes, they're not playing. Yes. They're great to have as a loop option, but they're not making you money. So the one thing for me and the probably the biggest focus for anybody starting out super coach, and I'll use my father-in-law as an example. I'm sure he won't mind. I'm going to send him this episode because he, he'll really name? enjoy it. Peter. Shout out to Peter. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, Pete. He um, sent me his team last year. It was the first year that he ever played super coach. He's a Bulldogs loyal follower and he had probably eight or nine Bulldogs in his team. And he, you know, he, he picked plays. He liked to watch. And if that's your game and you don't really care too much about competing, love that, you know, pick players you want to watch closely because it's actually in past years when I wasn't as competitive really helped me kind of enjoy the game a little bit more by following players a little bit closer now if you want to be competitive i would advise against it um purely because sometimes the players you love to watch don't exactly score that well so um yeah there's plenty to consider there but in terms of cash generation metrics is there a, a magic number for you potentially that you're looking at to start the year in terms of what you would like your team value to be because obviously uh, maybe I'll let you break this down a little bit more. Why? What? First of all, why are we looking at cash generation? Why do our players need to make money?
3: Uh, because as you you want to get players that are maybe new to the NRL, um, that maybe have expanded roles, that maybe have taken on things like goal kicking um, that they hadn't taken on before. Because if you pay two hundred and twenty thousand dollars for a player and Quite often, my favorite saying in Supercoach Coach is, it's not what you spend, it's what you save. So, if you spent $220,000 on a player in 10 weeks' time, through all these accumulated stats from an increased role, uh, from maybe coming to the NRL for the first time, Payne was somebody that was 120K at one stage in his career. Now he's worth 750K. How does he accumulate that? By scoring points. So in 10 weeks, somebody like Sam Hughes might be worth three hundred and fifty dollars to $400,000. Now, do I want to play Sam Hughes all year? Hopefully, yes. But if he tops out at $350,000, I might sell Sam Hughes and then sell, let's stay on the Bulldogs, somebody like Max King who's maybe increased in $50,000, to turn to trade in Sam Hughes and Max King for Payne Haas, which is one of my end goals every year to have somebody like Payne Haas or Tino Farsumalahi, um, the best players in the competition. So I am adding all these rookies, all these people that casual NRL fans have never heard of, in a pathway towards getting my favorite players in the competition and the best super coach scorers. And you've mentioned a lot about gaining cash and,
2: and making sure your players gain cash by scoring points. And, and Josh, did you want to break down how that works in terms of what break even means? Cause it's, it's probably a word that we're going to use a lot through the podcast this year.
1: Yeah. So break even is the score a player must hit to either rise or fall in price. Um, and knowing what, what matrix said, Not every cash cow stays a cash cow. So if Sam Hughes starts at 230K, price set out at 23, he pumps out 50s for the first nine weeks. He would rise to nearly 500K, but that would stop. If he just continually pumps out a price, a, a score reflective of his price, it will eventually stall out. So you see a lot of two for one trades at the back end of the season, like a lot of Sam Hughes and. Ben Travojevic, first TP that came to mind. You'll see a lot of, uh, around 17, 18, 19, it'll be a lot of TPs that have Matt topped out. You'll trade two of those out for one gun and one enough. The non-playing player, more viable at the back end of the season. But team value is so important. So I'm just looking at last year's stats for me. Um, Team value of 11.47 million at round one. Um, That topped out at 15.37. So that's an extra $4 million. Now you're looking at Uh, Nico Hines, Nathan Cleary, both those guys in 900K. I've built four extra Nico Hines in my team just by making the right trades, jumping on cash cows, jumping off them at the right times. You build your team value over time. And that's why, hopefully, if we have a good season, we'll get to rounds 22, 23, 24. And we will have, uh, we spoke about this actually last episode. We We said we both had five premiums right now. We will probably have 10 to 11 premiums and maybe five really good mid-rangers um, by the back end of the season. So building team value is crucial. And that's why picking the right cheap is so viable. Yeah, that's
2: right. 100%. At the end of the game, you want to be able to maximize the amount of cash, which means it's going to maximize the amount of opportunity to get in as many primos as possible into your team. Uh, those premium guys we've talked about in previous podcasts, your Payne Haas, your Cam Murrays and... David Fafita's, your Nico Hines, your Nathan Cleary, your Dylan Brown, Cam Munster, um, Greg Marju, Kalen Ponga, Tom Trebouevich—all of these guys. Like I know that uh, there's love. multiple in each position, but um, race, <laughs> um, there's multiple in each position. But you can only obviously pick so many. But your team value is going to determine how many of these really good players you can get in your team. You can't have them all but you ideally want to have at least one to two of them in each position. And the only way you can do that is to get the right cheapies at the right times and get off them at the right times too. Cause a really good example is if you sit on a cheapie and let's use the Sam Hughes example again, and he goes up to 500 K and he averages 50 for the first 10 rounds, but then he gets dropped to the bench and he drops back and his minutes drop back and he ends up averaging 28 off the bench in the five in the next five rounds after that there is every chance that he would drop a hundred of that thousand dollars that he has made so you want to make sure that you're maximizing the the value of your player and trading them out at the right time when their value has peaked and the way that you work that out is break even and and not everybody has access to break evens in the super coach app so break even you will only have access to in the super coach app at the start of the season or in the preseason. i think they give you super coach gold uh, or super coach plus i think they call it now. Yep. Um, that's I think Plus. twenty bucks for the season or something like that. Yeah. Do you want to know a really good website that doesn't charge you for break evens? Do I don't it. think I've mentioned this episode,
1: but uh, it's NRL stats. Uh mm-hmm. <laughs> they have them out every Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. Um, they will have every player in the games break even available if you don't want to pay the extra twenty bucks. It's just another website you have to go through. So, um, yeah, there's so many good resources, and I also also am stalling for time quickly because I do want to pull up a player. Jamena Sarko, let's pull up him. And that goes into your point last uh, what you just said, Bredo. Jamena Sarko was exceptional. Uh, he started last year at 382K and he peaked at 810,000 by round 15. So, under four months, he more than doubled his price and he was a premium price. He fell back down. So, he had a quiet quite couple of months. He had, you know, multiple hundreds and multiple big nineties. Up until round fifteen, and he peaked at eight hundred and ten thousand dollars. He quickly fell. So from rounds fifteen to twenty-two, and this is with two buys. So this is only one. Two. This is only four games. He fell back to five hundred and fifty-five thousand. So he went from three eighty all the way up to eight hundred and ten, and then quickly fell right back down to five fifty-five. Now that's still a good profit. Don't get me wrong. That's still nearly two hundred thousand profit. But if you didn't see him as a season keeper. You trade him out at his peak and that's how do you know when to trade someone out at their peak? That's where we still try and figure that out. That's why we compete 50 grand um, and figuring out when to jump off players at the right time. But yeah, just because a player gets to a good price, they don't stay there. So his requirements, so his break-evens, and the NRL SA stats website have this in spades. Asako's break-evens were minus 15, minus 16, 49, 61, 57, 11, 97. And then it went to 156, 122, 116. So as those performances increase, as he gets better and better each week and has a higher average and a higher price, he needs to perform better. Think of it like work. You know, you start on 40k a year. You know, you're an entry level job. You know, ex- people don't expect the world from you. You quickly rise up. You become CEO. You're on 250,000 a year. The expectations of you are much higher. Same in Supercoach with your pricing. Your expectations to maintain that price become far more greater. And that's why we look at someone like someone this year, like Cam Munster. We think he's priced too high for what he's going to perform for the first 10 weeks. We think his price is going to come down, similar to what Osako's did last year from his peak. And that's when we buy him up because we know Cam Munster, based off historical data, he's going to get better. And we're going to, you know, we buy him low and we sell him high. Yep. Great expert stock trading
2: tips right here, boys.
1: <laughs> two, I mean, it's like that. a stock market.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is. It is. Two things on that. Uh This job where you can go from entry level to CEO, can you send me the seek link for that? Because uh, that sounds... <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. You so I'm in the mail I try and make an analogy and you just shit on me. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, though, on a more serious note, uh, we like to have fun here. Okay. But on a serious note, this that is why we have this is why we have done up the schedule and you can see it on the screen for everybody watching on YouTube. This is exactly why we've done up the schedule so that if you see Jermaine Asako and you, maybe the Dolphins are a really good example here, or maybe the Tigers, um, you see that a lot of green on this page. Um, so the dark green means that they're playing against a team that conceded the four most supercoach points last year. The light green means that they conceded the fifth to eighth most super coach points. So basically it's a good matchup. Now, when you start to see a few of these red matchups pop up on the screen, like your Penrith, your Broncos, your Knights, your New Zealand Warriors, your Melbourne Storm. Those are the five teams at the moment, or or from last season's stats, that conceded the five least amount of Supercoach points. Now, if you start to see some of these red games add up, it might be worth then starting to look at, are these players worth trading out based on the hard matchups they've got coming up? So that's one thing to consider as well. Um, If you want to download this, just either hit one of our DMs up or or jump in the Discord as well. It's in the link in the description. And uh, you can get this and you can download it. You can... do a a matrix every year, and he saves it as his screensaver instead of his wife Yeah, not even joking. So, uh, yeah, (laughs) Uh, good form, good form. I see them enough. I don't see
3: the drawer enough.
2: No, that's right. But, hey, we we talk about trades 200 times a week, so you you need it there. It's very relevant.
1: What's more important from March to September anyway?
2: Exactly. 100%. (laughs) Exactly. So, um, boys, we've got some questions to answer from the people that have hit that us up about We haven't even scratched the
1: surface either. Like, not even this close. This is a very basic overview. This is why we love the and, game so much and why we've done it for so long. Like, It's it's so detailed, and you'll learn to love it.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah the, if, you, if you're someone who loves analytics and you love numbers and you love working out all the stats, you, you will love Supercoach if you're new to it. Um, or if you're someone you just have time on their hands, we can point you in the right direction at the stats, or well, hopefully this episode has pointed you in the right direction at the stuff you need to be looking at to be successful in Supercoach. First question, and a a relevant one we haven't talked about yet. uh, Do we understand that there is no lockout at all in the first round and that you can make as many changes as you like until the end of the round and it will only count as two trades? Now, Josh, I'll throw that to you.
1: Yeah, unless your player hasn't played. So let me quickly pull up the draw again. So for example, uh, the... South... Oh, you've got it. Oh, no, I'm talking, I'm talking about the draw. You can put that up. That's fine. I'm talking I'll about, leave about it the up. draw. Um, yeah, so for example, you're looking at Tom Trevojevic. He plays the first game of the season. He is locked out, so you can't trade him out. So he might score 12 points and do an ACL. Unfortunately for you, you're stuck with him. But if you're looking at the Titans, for example, they play the second last game of the, of the round. And for whatever reason, Bo, Bo Fermor gets the flu. He has a concussion at training and he's out round one, then yes, you can move him, but you can only move him to a player that has not played and it doesn't count as a trade. So your round one teams are very flexible, very open until that player has played and they are locked out. So, yeah, you've got free reign over that as long as the player hasn't played because they are locked in in spades. And that's why we said before, boys, play your early players first in your starting team, reserve your later one second, because for whatever reason, if both Firmor did get a, the cold or the flu or you know, measles, mumps and rubella, whatever he gets, you can move off him, you can take the reserve off him, you can put it on someone else. You're not stuck with him in your starting team. And you see this all the time for all my NFL fantasy players out there. It's by the flex positions. You always have your later playing players in the flex because it's much more viable to move players around for whatever reason.
2: Yeah, prayers up for uh, Bo Fermor (laughs) with Members and Rebella. Yeah, he's had he's had a rough one. Um Matrix, uh that was a pretty good summary there. but We can leave that one there. But the next question becomes with the head to head comps that you're playing in, when does it end? So does does first of all, does Super Coach end at the end of the regular season? Does it go into the finals? And also then with head to head comps, when should the season end in head to head?
3: If I was setting up head to head comps, I like to finish them. Is it There's 27. I like to finish them in round 26 because people start to get rested uh, come round 27. Um, The good teams don't want to get their players injured before the finals. Um, But Supercoach as a whole finishes in round 27. So if you're playing overall, and there's prizes for overall, like um, the Daily Telegraph, the Sunday Mail, wherever you may be, um, created this game. They give out prizes. They give out fifty thousand dollars for Supercoach. Um, so you are it's like entering a competition. Well, it is entering a competition. Like you can top one thousand, they win prizes. Um, that's about as far as it goes with prizes, guys. Yeah, so the um, weekly yeah.
2: top score wins thousand bucks. Am I right? Yep. Um uh, two like thousand subscriber. F- cool. Yes. Yep. so yep. up to 2000 bucks if you if you pay for Supercoach Plus or Supercoach Gold or whatever. Um and then yeah, the main winner wins 50k. I think the re- from 2nd to 10th wins money as well, the top 10. Uh they okay. used to have a let me tell you my favorite prize, top 1000 for for a KFC chain? a $15 KFC voucher. No, I, I'd rather him. that.
1: Nah, I'll I've go got, I've got, I've got a mantle of uh, little drumsticks on key rings sitting somewhere in my oh, house. Absolutely. Yes. And then obviously, if you came in the top one hundred, you got a tracksuit with your with
2: your rank on the back. That was that was good times. So never yep. got one of those. No, and KFC don't sponsor anymore. No, so no, uh, it's Swish. No, it's Swish now. So you get a shout out from your favorite player. So I mean, cool, I guess. Cool.
0: Uh, did, I did can't you get wait to get a guy? Max King I shout all out.
2: Shout on repeat. this year, boys. <laughs> Well imagine I, if all three of us somehow get a we can get a Swiss shout out. Who are you picking? I oh, know, is, is it KPP for you, Josh?
1: No, I think it'd be Kyle Ramsey. It has
2: to be. Yeah, that's true. You've named your team Just after the in the last couple of years, so yeah. Had to.
3: What about yourself, Matrix? Who are you picking? Oh, probably Aiden Caesar this year. Um <laughs> my team name, uh, Caesar Salad is making a little bit of a a run this year. Um yeah, always it's been mean- a big Aiden Caesar fan. I love watching Supercoach. I love um sorry, Super League. I love um Super League super Coach, that's great. Uh, next episode. Yeah, Big fan.
2: <laughs> you mean your team's name isn't Pain in My Heart? I'm actually really shocked by that. <laughs>
1: four, four and twenty pies? Yeah,
2: yeah. no no good. Um, actually, let's let's give some advice for team names. Please don't go and Google best NRL Supercoach team names because this is what will be thrown out at you. Get like something said, original.
1: Like I said, if you ever DM me on Twitter asking for advice and you tell me your team name is Pain in My Heart, you're instantly blocked.
2: No questions about it.
3: Uh, can you change your team name? Because I want to change yeah. my team until, name to The
2: Fiddler. Up until the competition starts, you can change your team name. As soon as Mindler. the comp starts, you cannot. Mine's Maxwell so Maniacs. give me my team, which is a bit devastating. <sighs> no, you're going to have to change that. Wasn't that Kumul something? Oh, the Kumul Kings, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. was just uh, Obviously, the, the yep. Kumul Kings was, was, was there mm. for a bit. I like it. I like it. Um, all right. We should probably move on with these questions. Uh, best scoring positions. We've already covered that. Now, number of trades per week. We, we talked about the fact you get two trades per week. You get five boosts, which takes it up to three during the major buy rounds. Correct me if I'm wrong, Josh. they still got three trades and then that makes it four for a boost. Am I right in saying that?
1: Yeah. It goes from two to three and then from the boost from three to four.
2: Yeah. Cool. So if you do not use your two trades during the week, they do accumulate. Okay. So obviously you start with 46 you could get to the end of the year and still have twenty trades left if you don't use them. Oh, you don't so, get twenty in one round, correct? Yeah, right.
3: yeah, you can't leave it. Yeah, imagine. Yeah, so
2: the, oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, like twelve like
3: trades. I'd be going for
2: the thousand dollar prize for the weekly prize. Just, just, just use all card, my uh, FDL, just, just a, a free wild card. Just change your team. Yeah, that would be good. That would be good. Fuck, that's a whole um, different yes, conversation. Yes. So, yeah, so your, your your trade. So if
1: you get forty six and don't make any in round one, you don't have forty four. Um, but you you just can't make four the next week. Yeah, it's a maximum of two unless you use a boost or you're in the origin period.
2: Yep. So uh, there's full points for bench players if they're a reserve. Um, But you made a good point earlier, Josh. We've already covered this question, but he was asking uh, in terms of order of players at the start of the week, your players playing at the start of the week should always be starting on your field. If you plan on playing them in your 17 and then your reserve should be probably the last four players playing in that round, unless they are your captain or your vice captain yeah. up for obvious unless reasons.
1: Coming up, obviously. Yeah.
2: Like, yeah. like round one's a great example. I think turbo, like me, me,
1: for example, turbo plays the bunnies in the game one, um, but the Knights play the Raiders in like game four. Like I'm going to be benching Tom Trevojevic. It's not, the recommended play, but it's only because we're captain or we're vice captain. That's right.
2: Yeah. Spot on. Um, so key times and times to take note of this week in terms of when a team's announced. Now teams are announced on Tuesday at 4 PM every single week. Now we're going to always be live on a Tuesday night. It's going to be the only live episode that we do every single week. We're going to be live on Tuesday night, anywhere between depending on when matrix has his basketball on <laughs> between 7 PM and 9 PM. We the don't dribbler. know. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the mother lickers, aren't they? B-grade team over in... Uh, yeah, uh,
3: yeah. Yeah, good. I, th- I tell you what, my my hungover game was just like Michael Jordan's flu game last week, can I tell
2: you? <laughs> <laughs> you were very hungover as well from anybody who watched that episode and heard about how much you drank, so it was very impressive. Um, now, team announcements Tuesday, 4pm. That's that's what we call teamless Tuesday. So very, very famous in the NRL Supercoach pl- and NRL Fantasy platforms. Um, now... When's the, I guess, the best time to make your trades or finalize your trades, Josh? Because a lot of us will probably wait until Thursday night or even potentially into the round to make your moves.
1: Yeah. So key times to remember, Uh, four o'clock on the Tuesday, um, teams will name a squad of 21. Uh, An hour before the game, sorry, sorry, 24 hours before the game that gets cut down to 18. Yes, cuts, cuts down to 19, I think. And then an hour before the game, it gets cut down to 18 with your 18th man. Now, uh, if you don't have X, I recommend you getting it. I recommend you following Wacko Whispers, and I recommend you putting notifications on. He doesn't tweet. When he does, you need to watch it. That is all the team updates that come through. The 24-hour cuts, the the pre-hour cuts as well. So you know you're not going into a game blind. Yeah, you're not going into a game blind. Um, NRL teams get penalized very heavily if they do not report the same team that is put out. Um, and it's only happened once in like three years. I think Ricky Stewart something happened. He fucked up and named a winger that wasn't playing. But it wasn't Standard. super relevant. Um, but yes, so so uh, at Wacko Whispers is the probably the best account to be following for that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, making trades it's not like FPL where the price rises are dictated by transfer movements. You know what the price is before the game. You know what it is before kickoff. So making your trades as late as possible. Obviously, but giving yourself the flexibility by not having players lock out and always having a route to to move back if plans ever go astray. And if you make a trade, if you open up your app at 12 o'clock on a Monday, you're pissed as hell. Um, someone sucks and someone goes really good and you trade them out and you come to your senses, you can reverse your trades um, before they've played. So you're not locked in. We do this all the time. We probably make 30 trades a week just tinkering stuff and, and whatnot but you can always reverse your trades before the game starts yeah very good
2: point very good point and and obviously you can actually even reverse your trades throughout the round now we we talk about rolling lockouts so it's not a hard lockout like fpl where basically if you make a trade too too bad um you we've got a rolling lockout so if you pick a player or you trade a player out uh, and both of those players still haven't played yet and you're at Saturday afternoon and they they both play Sunday potentially, you can actually reverse that trade back and use that trade on something else, or you can reverse trade to another player. So the rolling lockout is quite advantageous if you know how to use it effectively. Uh, based on maybe your head-to-head matchup being too close. And we're talking final strategy now a little bit. But if you're head-to-head, you've got three players of difference and you can see their team. Maybe you want to do a trade mid-round and move off that player of difference if you want to fade that player to try and maybe get a win in a team when you're behind in that matchup.
1: Worth noting though, you need to have a boost available or have not made two trades. Because if you made two trades and have no boost available, you will get locked out. Um, But for example, you and Ryan Pappenhausen in rounds five, you trade him to James Tedesco. James Tedesco is ruled out. You trade Tedesco back to Pappenhausen. It doesn't cost you a trade. But if yep. you trade if you trade from Pappenhausen to Tedesco, from Tedesco to Dream Buller, that will only cost you one trade as well. Like it's not going to cost you yep. two to do multiple moves. Um, but you have That's to have either a trade in hand or a boost. Otherwise, Supercoach won't let you do it.
2: Yep. Yep. Good so point. make your trades as late li- as possible effectively. Um. There was a question on lockout and injured players and things like that. I think we've just covered that one, um, which is great. Um, now, in terms of, I guess we're moving back a little bit with this question to scoring in position. Um, so the question is, in terms of forwards, would we be right in saying that a forward doesn't score as many points and their scoring range is usually smaller compared to backs? If yes, uh, then is it worth focusing early to get better forwards and then just lock them in for the season and don't burn as many trades in a low low upside position? Uh, or and just focus on the more volatile scorers in the backs and should we stack up on top players and guns early in the mid-range? So there's probably two questions there. So are we focusing more on maybe just lock and load on forwards that are low upside and then tinkering or, or rotating our higher upside backs matrix? Is that how you approach this game?
3: So front row forwards don't score as well. Forwards, second row forwards in the modern game have, they're kind of like, They can score as well as center wingers at times uh, with a little bit of a higher base. I love second row forwards when it comes to super coach. Um, They have that base where they're going to score X amount of points per week, um, but they're starting to get plenty of attacking upside uh, with these great halfbacks and playmakers around front row forwards is what I would call a plotter position um, because like what's a great front row forward score? 60 outside of Tino and Payne Haas who you're paying almost 800K for. Um, and Josh said it really well in a previous episode. If Sam Hughes can score 40, and I've mentioned Sam Hughes 100 times, get him in your teams. Um if Sam Hughes can score 40 and you've paid 200K, that's excellent value because you're spending that 200K worth of value compared to the points you're getting in higher upside positions. Um, like if you're lock and loading in Payne has where you know he's going to get 80 every week, but you're also paying for him to get 80 every week, um, you're probably missing out in your center wing in your... I consider second row forward probably one of the next upside positions down there with 5'8", um, you're not spending those that money in those positions and you're going to miss out on the opportunity to bulk up those points. It, do you guys agree? Uh,
1: yeah. So I'm obviously a super coach Nuffy and I spent the last three minutes just scrolling through a million Excel spreadsheets that I have, but I have the percentages of pretty much all the top guys and their percentage of scores over a hundred last year. So Payne Haas has had a career strike rate of 2.5%, over a hundred points. Dave Feeder has a strike rate of 20% um, last year. Nathan Cleary, 36.6%. Nico Hines, 34.8%. Uh Jamai 20%. Mazu, 7%, 17%. Holmes, 18%. Fullbacks, you know, Ryan Pappenhausen goes over 135% of his games. Ponga goes over 22% of his games. So you can see compared to AFB, who only only goes over 100, 4.5%, Haas at 2.5%, Tarpany 2.1%. Front row forward, they just don't have the upside. They don't have the ceiling. They don't score many tries. They don't get many attacking stats. That's why Payne, Haas, and Tino are considered unicorns in that position who average 80, but still, like if that's if they're not going over 100 ever ever often, like why would you spend up on them? It's for the consistency. And I'm a very opinionated person, but unfortunately I don't have an opinion on front row forward this year. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer in how you want to spend your cash. If you told me you had Payne Haas and Sam Hughes, I'm not going to say no. If you told me you had two cheapies, I can't say no because I'd be a hypocrite. If you told me you had two mid-rangers, you can't say no. There's no way to structure your front row forward this year that is most optimal in my opinion. Um that chasing upside positions is and hooker and front row forward are not one of them. Um, I would rank them in terms I would rank positions in terms of importance, fullback, halfback, two RF, I'm sorry, fullback, halfback, center wing, two RF, five eighth, front row forward, hooker. That's the way that I'm looking at prioritizing those positions.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. That's exactly the order for me as well. Um, now, I've saved the best for last, Matrix, because I know that this is a very passionate topic for you, and it's stacks.
1: Is Hudson down yeah. the must.
2: <laughs> That's also just a yes, by the way. Um, now, when we talk about stacks, and for anybody who's played NFL fantasy or, or maybe even some other fantasy sports, American sports, or, you know, it can probably apply for most sports, to be fair.
3: Stacks now, isn't really a thing in
2: NBA. Yeah, or well, isn't it? I don't know. I know someone that would disagree <laughs> with you. Shout out to Matty G. Um, talk to us about stacks, mate. What are, where's the relevance? How do you how do you kind of think about? Sta- First of all, maybe explain it. What what is a stack, and then how would you
3: approach it in NRL? I wouldn't ever consider really three players, but I suppose it's multiple players from the same team are uh, where their stats could lead to stats with other players. So the best example I can think of here is Kalen Ponga likes to sweep uh, when he runs. Um, so it usually comes from a halfback um, or a 5'8", comes through to Kalen Ponga. He has an attacking side, uh, which has some strike weapons, uh, whether that be a Bradman Best or... Or a Greg Marjou playing in the center, playing in the wing, and that's getting closer to the outside where it's a little bit easier to score, where maybe there's a bit more space. Kalen Ponga creates a lot of attention, and often a Greg Marjou or a Bradman Best can score sometimes without getting touched because there's so much attention on a great player, um, somebody that creates that much attention in a Kalen Ponga. Um, Stacks, uh, if Kalen Ponga does really well, then Greg Marju is going to do really well, uh, which is the winger. So if you're banking on the fact that Kalen Ponga is going to go really well, it really makes sense to go and get a Greg Marju and just double down on your thoughts and opinions on the topic.
2: For sure. So if we use an example of Kalen Ponga, going down the left edge, which he loves to go down, and passing the ball to Marju, right? And let's let's assume that this is a try-scoring play. Callum Ponga gets the line-break assist and the try-assist. So when you assist a player to break the line, you, you're going to get eight points, right? Then you get the try-assist, which is 12 points. So there's 20 there for Ponga. Now, then you also get Greg Marju, who gets the 17 points for the try, and he then gets the line break, which is, am I, am I right in saying 10? I can't remember off the top of my head.
1: It's a 47-point play.
2: There you go. So when you're looking at the amount of points you can score from two players, right? that's 47 points straight to your team from the two players, rather than if you own one or the other, you can one own play. both.
1: For one play. So if you have one play. if you have Alex Johnson and Callum Ponga, you need them both to be involved to get 47 points. You need two different games and two different outcomes to happen. You own Marzo and Ponga one play is all it takes to get those 47. So it's just a compounding interest. Um, yeah.
2: Anything to add on that, Josh?
1: Um, yeah. It's, just, it's Stacks is just a combination of players that will link up together. Uh, a stack is not Payne Haas and Jesse Arthurs. Um, <laughs> as much as it, imagine that Payne Haas at the back, just show and go. <laughs> a little
2: uh, it's shovel. not common. It's not common. No, no, a stack is more of a common play. So if you think NFL, you're picking a quarterback to a wide receiver. You know, if, if that if that's a reference, you picking, maybe it was last um, year. It was Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. Um, as a Raiders fan, you didn't see that too often, unfortunately. Yeah, I was say, you're not uh, no, seeing Not <laughs> enough. That's,
1: that's what uh, but no, no, like like uh, Nico Hines, Britton Nicora, Latrell Mitchell, Alex Johnston, Ponger, Ponga, um, Greg Mazu, Nathan Cleary, and Liam Martin. Every, er, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everyone. Nathan Cleary just puts everyone on a platter. Um, but yes, it's it's. Just a combination of, of players. So yes, you're getting a 47 point play before tackle breaks um for one play rather than having to hope that happens with two players.
2: Just quietly, the best stack ever. And I didn't have it last year, it would have been Sean Johnson, Dallin with Tennessee Lesniak at the back end of the season. Oh, Fuck me. Uh, maybe even Chance Equal Clockstad. Imagine if you had all three of those guys. All three
1: that of those guys, you be, all three of those guys, you probably could have got round 50k seven, round twelve, and round fifteen in draft. Yeah. Yeah, and now yep. all of them are like top four round picks.
2: Yep, crazy. So, it's funny how it works. But um, boys, I reckon that does us. We've, I mean, we, I, we initially covered I some. I was thought we'd struggle to get half an hour. At the start of the pod, we're like, we'll just wing this. We'll see how we go. We'll be all right. And then we just keep talking because we're just all super coach Nuffies and we just love the game. And and you start thinking a little bit more in depth. I think initially we planned on having this one quite as a simple episode, but then we started diving into some pretty deep strategy, which is great for everybody watching. So hopefully um, that, that gives everybody an insight into the way that we play the game. Um because there's, you know, plenty more to talk about. And like Josh mentioned earlier, we're just scratching the surface. We would get a little bit deeper, but and maybe we will. If there's some questions in the in the chat that we can't answer properly in text, uh maybe we'll do another one through the season or something if something pops up. But also ask your questions.
1: I don't I don't love following the crowd, but there's a reason why everyone's teams do look a little bit similar. So use play if you don't know what you if you've never watched NRL before player ownerships can be beneficial for you as well. Um, you get access to Super Coach Gold while you're building your teams. So having access to, you know, ownerships is handy. If you're tossing up between a player that you may have heard of, uh, goodness, Josh Papali, you know, he's, he's a name. You're looking at him and he's got 1% ownership and you're looking at Max, I uh, may not Max King. You're looking at Ruben Cotter who's got 20% ownership. They're both similar price. Probably just lean to the a reason. public. reason. Lean with the public a little bit more when you don't know what you're doing. Like, pick pods when you know what's what's going on, um, and you you can point of you difference. Know. Yeah, sorry, pod being one difference player with low ownership. Um, use use ownerships as a guide if you don't know what you're doing. I, I wouldn't recommend going out there picking a one percent player because, sure, like if you don't know what you're looking at, <laughs> lean on ownerships a little bit more, and you can never go wrong. Like if you pick a team based off ownerships. You'll, you won't you will get too out of line in the first
2: 10 weeks. And look, there is, a, and to give the shout out to the Discord community teams, it's a, and we do it every year, um, mm-hmm. we, we get let the community pick a team, basically. We all vote on positions. We vote, vote on the captains, vice captains, trades every week. And NBL team, where do we finish for NBL? 54th, I think. 54th overall That's
1: out, out of 25,000 25, people.
3: Yeah. Don't, and, and that's big, not
1: built by one person. That's That's got a lot of input in it. So there's a lot of room for variance, but it seems like all the community like certain players. And we're not saying, obviously, just pick a copycat team because what's the fun of that? But if you're leaning between player A and player B, most of the time, if you don't know what you're looking at or don't know what you're talking about, the play with the higher ownership is going to be the better play.
2: Yeah. Yeah, very well said. That's one thing I think I learned the hard way um, when I first started playing Super Coaches. trying to get too spicy, trying to make too many trades and trying to find too many pods. And it it just bites you in the ass more often than not. There's a reason that, why a play as a pod.
1: That's a, be- that's a beautiful point because a pod only works if the player you're going against fails. There's no point going, oh, I'm going to pod Kalen Ponga. Why? Oh, just because I want to. If Kalen mm-hmm. Ponga scores 100 and your pod scores 100, you've made no that's ground.
2: Point. Yep. And there's also another phrase that we use called antipod where maybe there's a player that is 47% owned like an Ethan Strange right now. And you feel like antipodding him because maybe you think he's a trap. Maybe you think he's not a good option and you're going to go against the crowd with that move.
1: P- Pet Cora. is a great one, I guess, for, for me, for when he use me, for example. Obviously he's now out for round one, but I was antipodding Brendan Piercora, who was a high owned player who I thought I could get more production from for a lesser ownership to give me an edge. I'm uh, no, no, not saying that's always going to work. When anti-potting goes bad, it goes pretty fucking horrible. <laughs> Usually really bad. I never run Nico Hines when he was at the Storm, and that worked out really well. Um, mm. So, yeah, anti-potting can be brutal, but that's what it is, is just picking the play game. up.
2: Yeah. That's just the wins. beauty of the game. I didn't know Nico Hines when he scored 180 last year in his first game back against the Dragons because I thought, you know what, there's two games until he's bye. I'll be right. I'll push on. And then I ended up very behind by anti-potting him. So, yeah, perfect example of when it goes wrong. Boys, that'll do. Um, We've covered everything. Obviously, guys, if you have questions on anything that we've covered tonight, uh, drop them in the comments. Uh, This episode will be obviously up, uh, I think, what's tomorrow? Tuesday. So uh, it'll be up from Tuesday, drop any questions in. We've got plenty of episodes coming up on positions, uh, a bit of draft content as well, uh, leading into team list Tuesday and all of your final team stuff as well. So we'll be here, we'll be live every week on a Tuesday. And lastly, if you want to join the discord, just jump in the description below. Uh, The link is in the description, I should say. Uh, It's a free community, jump in there. And if you want a little bit more insight into what we do and how we approach the game and a bit more about our strategy, our teams, our trades, our captains, every single week, you can become an Insight Unlimited member for 25 bucks a year and maybe you want to throw a tenner in the ring and you want to take on the uh, Insight Supercoach World Cup where you can compete in all four sports that we mentioned at the start of the episode so there's plenty happening at Insight plenty more coming your way any final words Josh before we wrap up? Our teams are out
1: our our, our volume one team reveals are actually out right now so uh, Matrix Brain and I threw up our teams um, we're probably going to chuck up a pre a, a post Trials 1 team a post Trials 2 team and then our final team's heading into the season. So they're out now. So if there's no better time to sign up uh, for Unlimited than now. What does is,
2: what is mix say? A zinger box upsized with an extra burger. Yeah, with an extra burger on the side. Yeah. That's a cracker. Matrix, any final words, mate, before you uh, wrap this one up?
3: No, no, no. Just good to see more people coming on board with NRL. Obviously, you're here because you're interested. Um, Popping in somewhere, my cousin was messaging me today talking about coming from NRL Fantasy to NRL Soup Coach. I gave him the link to um, the Discord community just because even if we're not answering all your questions, there's so many great minds in that community that you post a question, you will probably get five answers from five very experienced super coach players and you can just look through the questions and you'll learn a lot so absolutely
2: guys that'll do until next time uh we'll be coming at you with some more positions but until then you've been listening to the insight nrl show we'll see you later
0: the tigers are so bad (laughs) even on a budget quality is non-negotiable